Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? Well, thanks for joining me today. I am excited to dive into this topic about engaging students with a little bit of fun and relevancy. But before we do that, I just gotta tell you, I spent the week, uh, well, not the whole week, I spent the first part of this week down in South Carolina, uh, right next to Clemson University. And uh, you might not know this about me, but I went to Florida State University. And the Saturday before the Monday that I spent with all of those teachers right by Clemson, my beloved Florida State Seminoles, played the Clemson Tigers in a little football game. And we got beat. We got beat pretty bad, actually. And, I, and you might not know this if you're not from the region. Florida State fans, we're not big fans of Clemson fans. We're not, we're not a big fan of their football team. Maybe we like the fans, but man, there is a rivalry there. And uh, we always get amped up for this game. And I was sure that my Knowles were just going to show up and show those Clemson kitty cats who is boss. And I was so excited for them to win on Saturday so I could go down there on Monday and spend the day with teachers who I knew were all going to be big fans of Clemson. And I was, and I was gonna do it gracefully, but I was gonna make sure that they knew where I went to school and uh, just making sure that they, that they know that I know the result of, of that football game. But then my nose lost and I still had to go down there. And it was a beautiful, wonderful day with those teachers. But I also had to swallow a big slice of humble pie and uh, it was pretty great, actually. They were quite graceful, probably more graceful than I would have been as a football fan. But uh, yeah, I had to start off my talk by telling them that I was really excited to be with them, to uh, rub it in their face a little bit. And instead, I, I don't get to do that. So anyway, not the way that I want it to go, uh, but the rest of the day was magnificent. I got to do a keynote to launch the whole day and talk about the power of stories and different ways to engage students with purpose and authenticity. But then we really dove into the rest of the day where we talked about collaboration and helping students engage more with each other. And, you know, I, as I was talking with them and we were, you know, having a conversation about different ways to get students motivated with relevancy, I remembered back to an old story from early in uh, my teaching career uh, where there was this teacher in my school named Jerry that did something really, really incredible with his students. And, uh, it, you know, he was kind of really pulling onto these principles that I was talking about. You know, how do we make learning fun and relevant at times to get students to really sink their teeth into the learning experience? And I remember sharing this story with them on Monday and thinking like, oh, I forgot about this one. This is a good one. I got to share it on the podcast. So anyway, I want to tell you a little bit about that, and then maybe we can unpack it a little bit together. So I worked with this teacher named Jerry, who taught this cross-curricular physics algebra two class. So he was teaching tenth graders, uh, and it was cross-curricular. So he had another, he had a co-teacher in there who was teaching the other subject, but they kind of tag team both of them. 
And you know, Jerry had a class that year that was full of just really competitive students. I mean, kids who just, you know, I, I think about it this way. We all have different classes that have their own flavor or brand to them, which I don't really completely understand. I don't know if I, any teacher's ever been able to explain to me why certain classes just have a different character or flavor to them that other classes don't have. You know, some classes are just defined by like being super motivated and fun. And sometimes you get classes that are just super silly or they like certain things or in certain classes are way easier and some might be a little bit more challenging. Well, whatever the case was, Jerry had this class of students who, who were just super competitive. He had athletes in the room, but then also kids that just were really into trying to find ways to be the best at whatever it was. And, you know, Jerry, I remember him telling me he had athletes in the class, he had gamers in the class, he had artists in the class who were all motivated by being the best at whatever their craft was. And, you know, obviously competition is just part of what made up the reputation of this class to Jerry. But it was a pretty obvious character trait, or it was a pretty obvious character trait of these students. And so when November of that year came, and you know, a little bit of that luster of the new school year was starting to wear off and student engagement was going down and there was a little bit more of that apathy that creeps up in the third month of the school year. You know, Jerry decided that he wanted to utilize his class's competitiveness. He wanted to use what was already present in the classroom and with these students and figure out how can I take advantage of this to engage them more, especially when engagement is a little hard to come by right now. And so what Jerry did is he looked at a set of physics standards that he was dealing with and, and they had, you know, the standards were all, you know, the power standards that he pulled, they had to do with terminal velocity and the speed in which objects fall when not faced with any friction. And, you know, so he had to teach his students about momentum and air resistance and impact and things like that. And, you know, using algebraic formulas and properties found in physics, you know, his goal would be for students to figure out how can we use this knowledge, this content we're learning to make really good predictions? You know, using those formulas, how could they become masters at predicting how long it would take for a certain object to hit the ground from certain heights? Pretty standard, right? That, that's what he was going to teach anyway, but now he's starting to ask, how can I engage my students with this? Is there any way that I can make this this fun experience that's gonna pull students out of some of that apathy and get them to engage with this content, get them to want to learn the math and the formulas and the principles behind all of the subject matter. And so what he did is for weeks, he had his students you know, practice guessing how long it takes for things to fall. He filled the hallways with his students and for a couple of weeks, he had them standing on ladders and dropping things like golf balls or apples. And they were timing the descent of these objects to the ground. And they took the data and they plugged it into formulas that he had for them that were in their textbooks or the things that he lectured about or had them practice on whatever format that he had them practice. But he had them take that data from what they were dropping and he had them plug them into formulas and he spent time discovering, they spent time discovering, you know, how the experience of terminal velocity related to the theories and the math. You know, all along the students knew that all of this practice, all of this data collection, all of this experimenting they were doing and all of this learning they were doing was to prepare them for one of the greatest comp competitions in all of world history. Something Jerry liked to call the great pumpkin drop. You know, so what Jerry did is he called the utility apartment, the, the, the city utilities, and he asked if they would be willing to send a bucket truck to our school that morning, or at the end of the project in the morning, 
to see if they could help out with the class project. He also called a local pumpkin patch in the area that they could, and asked if they could donate a couple hundred pumpkins left over from Halloween. And then at the end of this project, at the end of this learning unit, on a cold November morning, a 60-foot-tall bucket truck pulled into the parking lot of our school. And then school buses full of area elementary students followed closely behind to watch all of the action. And a news van even showed up, and they parked next to a big tarp where a bunch of rotting pumpkins would smash hard on the ground where they would be dropped from 60 feet up and then watch them all just splat onto this tarp and the news wanted to share it and the elementary kids wanted to be a part of it. And of course, all of the other classes in the school, including my own, wanted to watch these pumpkins fall and smash against the ground. And so 400 students were showing up and they poured out the door and we watched Jerry, the epic science teacher, smash pumpkins against the asphalt from 60 feet high. But his students, the physics algebra two class from our school, were not laughing as their teacher dropped the pumpkins from the sky. They weren't entertaining the little kids who were shrieking and screaming as these gourds exploded on tarps stretched across the pavement. They weren't even lining up to get on the evening news and gain a little bit of local fame. Instead, what his students were doing, they were lined up along the tarp with stopwatches in their hands to see if the predictions that they made throughout the month were correct. Their challenge was to use the math and science to guess how long it would take for a 20-pound pumpkin to fall 60 feet from the sky. And the closest wins, and they get to revel as the master of terminal velocity. You know, they would also get a pumpkin-shaped trophy and eternal bragging rights. You know, students were, were, would not have had a chance whatsoever of having the most accurate prediction if they didn't master the content first. And so therefore, this math class had purpose for that month. There was finally clarity as to how algebra can be applied to something other than just a quiz at the end of the unit. Physics made sense in a way that it never had before for those students. If you ask any student who has taken Jerry's class what terminal velocity means, they'll be able to tell you in a way that's not theoretical but instead in a way that was lived and breathed, that equation that they learn, it's like V equals square root parentheses two times W, all that stuff that I can't tell you as an English history teacher. But that formula was now no longer just a set of numbers and variables anymore. You know, they were keys to predicting the rate at which pumpkins fall to the ground and ultimately eternal glory. You know, I'll be clear, the students knew that winning this competition was not life or death or even a huge deal whether they won or, lo or, or lost, right? But they worked hard and with enthusiasm because it meant more than just a worksheet that would end up in a garbage can after being graded. Students like to solve problems and overcome challenges, like all of us, by the way, like all of us humans. We want to solve problems. It's in our DNA. And this is one that they could embrace in the classroom. Their teacher devised a plot for them to succeed and fail, ultimately, for them to grow in. And you know, I, I gotta be honest with you, this project sounds fun, doesn't it? You know, it was designed to be. Jerry knew that having an epic outcome to the project, trying, you know, tying to, tying in this thrilling climax to the story that was taking place, right? Like a problem was introduced at the beginning of the unit. How can you properly guess? How can you accurately guess how long it takes for a 20 pound pumpkin to fall 60 feet? They were given a problem 
And then the rest of that story was trying to find a solution, figuring out what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? What challenges and obstacles do I need to overcome in order to solve this problem? And at the end, there was this huge climax to the story. It's where they got to see the resolution to their problem. Did the work that I did, that I completed during the rising action, did it help me figure out the, the answer to this problem? It, right? It's a story that, that, that took place. And we don't forget good stories, right? Stories stick with us. And we also don't forget thrilling parts of our lives. That's, that's what sticks with us. You know, tying in a thrilling climax to the story in a competition to motivate his class he knew that it would create high levels of engagement because why wouldn't it? Especially for this brand of students, these kids who were competitive, who he knew would sink their teeth into doing a competition that pulled them out of some of that apathy. You know, from an outside perspective, this project might really look like a bunch of time dedicated to high schoolers just having fun. You know, they laughed as they smashed eggs in the hallway. Half a class period was given to a trophy ceremony rather than just pure content work. A whole morning was sacrificed so pumpkins could explode on school property. You know, it, um, from the outside, it looked like a bunch of fun. In fact, we got some new leadership at our school a couple of years after that, even though there was a tradition going where students were just having fun and learning about physics and algebra at the same time. When we got a new administration, they didn't really understand the real purpose behind this. They saw it as just fun. And sometimes when something's just fun, it can easily be seen as a waste of time. And I remember that project was nipped, right? Like there was no longer a great pumpkin smash after a change in leadership because it was not rigorous enough. You know, there wasn't enough merit in having students climb ladders to test and drop and then ultimately pull the whole out school outside to watch pumpkins fall to the ground. And I gotta be honest with you, that frustrated me a lot. Like that really kind of ate away at me a little bit when I saw that this project was no longer allowed because I look at this project and I remember the joy students were experiencing when they got to have a little bit of fun in algebra and physics class. But I gotta be honest with you, also, this project, project wasn't just about having fun. You know, this project was not just created for kids to have a good time in school. Of course that's important. Jerry wanted them to be entertained. He wanted them to enjoy themselves at school. Why wouldn't he, right? These are, those are those high schoolers. This is their childhood. Why wouldn't he want them to experience some joy and fun for a big chunk of their childhood, which is spent at school? So yeah, that was part of it. But he also wanted them to learn the material. And he wanted them to learn it in a lasting and impactful way. So what might come across as chaos was really carefully planned and executed project, right? It was a learning unit that covered all of the content and it covered the standards and there was a level of rigor to it. And sometimes during this learning unit, it wasn't always fun. Sometimes it was tedious. I'm guessing sometimes it was boring. Sometimes the students had to really just focus and bear down and, and learn the, the lecture that Jerry was giving and read the problems and practice it. And I'm sure he gave homework and I'm sure sometimes it looked like a typical traditional classroom. But now students had this motivation to dig into the traditional, to, to grit through some of that boredom or tedium, right? They, they developed some resilience 
to overcoming some of the challenging problems that were in front of them. It's still school and it's still life. Sometimes life isn't fun. But now the reason that they want to do the hard work, the reason that they're okay with developing work ethic and grit, you know, the, the, the perseverance and resilience that's required to learn complex subject matter, to learn sub, subjects like physics and algebra two, they weren't just doing it because of the grade at the end of it. They weren't just doing it because that's what you do in 10th grade. You learn this material and you take a test. They weren't doing it just because their teacher said you have to do this or because their parents said, oh no, there is, there is an expectation that you learn this material and you learn it well enough to get the grade that we expect of you. No, those things might still exist, but now the primary motivation for this project was the relevancy. It's saying, hey, I realize you guys want a little bit of competition. Here's a way to engage in competition in a meaningful way. I know that you guys like to have fun, so I'm gonna give you some of it. I know that it's really thrilling and entertaining to make predictions based on data. I know that, you might not know it yet, but you're gonna learn that this month. You're gonna learn that sometimes if it's worth it to put in the work and, and, and learn data and apply it to formulas and solve problems and figure out new things so that you can make accurate predictions. He knew that and he knew that he could teach that to his students. And he also knew that it's a lot of fun to drop things from 60 feet in the sky and watch them explode all over and watch little kids scream about it and watch your peers watch you do it. And it's fun to sit there and be kind of the owner of the experience, right? This wouldn't be smashing and exploding if you weren't in algebra physics class. Are you with me, right? Like this is the joy that happened that month. And you can imagine none of those students will ever forget it. And I think that's one of our jobs as educators. We want to create experiences that students don't forget. Now, does this mean that we have to order a 60 foot dump truck every time we teach math? No, of course not. Again, not everything in life is big, thrilling, and exciting. As an adult, or as a student, and we have to have students who understand that, that sometimes it's not always entertaining and that's okay. Life and joy doesn't always come from being entertained. Sometimes life and joy comes from doing the work. And we've gotta teach students that, but it's also good to inject some fun in our work sometimes. We've gotta find ways to do that. You know, when I used to teach World War I to my students, one of my favorite things every single year Every year I did this and I did it my first year and I've done it every single year since that I taught high school students. I would go to the costume store and I would rent a World War I officer's uniform. And, and, and I would do it and I was always like, you know what? This is costing me like 40 bucks, but it is so worth it. And I would put on this outfit or on this uh, uniform and it was authentic looking and I would show up to school in it. And I felt a little silly, of course, but who doesn't? feel a little silly when they put on a costume, but I was like, you know what, this is gonna be worth it, and I would show up to class like that. And of course, students would be like, Mr. Muir, what are you doing? And I was like, I am not Mr. Muir, I am Commander Muir. And today, we are going to learn about World War I trench warfare. And my students would be like, what? And I was like, so what we're going to do today is we are going to learn what trench warfare looked like. We're gonna study diagrams of what trenches look like, and we are going to flip our desks over, our tables over, and we're gonna make trenches. 
and then you're going to split up into different powers and we're going to make paper balls and we're going to have a little bit of trench warfare and we're going to have a paper ball fight in class and we're going to and then during the middle of the battle when I've, the lights go down and we're playing sound effects and music and students are having all this fun throwing paper battles I would pause the music and I would have students write notes to home and they would write letters as if they were actually in the trenches and they would have to use the, the writing skills that we've been learning that unit and they would have to create these letters and write them from the perspective of a soldier. And again, let me, actually, I, not again, I'll just state this real clear. My students didn't learn what it means to be a soldier. Just let's make that nice and clear. They didn't learn what it means to be in an actual World War I trench. What they did learn though is basically how these wars were fought. They, they understood the format of them and they also learned that soldiers took time to write home to families and they had to use some of the best practices in, in writing and narrative writing to write these letters and they had to do it in a fun way. And all of a sudden, the fun of this helped engage them with the content. And then we would resume the battle and then I would pause it again and we would celebrate the Christmas armistice, which is a big thing that happened during World War I where they actually paused battle and both sides came together and they celebrated Christmas together. And so you had the German soldiers celebrating with the English and French soldiers and they would you know, play soccer together and they would listen to, they would sing Christmas music and they would celebrate and have treats and tea. This is an actual historical event. And so we acted that event out in the classroom and my students learned about the Christmas armistice by pretending that it was happening right now. And then we would go back to the battle just like happened in history. And this was an event, a day my students loved. They would tell their younger siblings about it. And then when their siblings would enter my class, they would ask me like, Mr. Muir, when are we gonna do the World War I battle? And I would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they'd be like, yes, you do, my brother did it. I'm like, well, I guess you're just gonna have to wait and see. And then when that day would come, there would be anticipation and students would be excited about getting to do this thing that was just building culture more and more and more. And I did this ultimately, and I really mean this. I planned this every year ultimately because it was fun. It was fun, it brought joy to my students. They were happy, they looked forward to it. There was this, this moment in school where they, they forgot about the pressures of grades. They forgot about all of the prep we do for testing. They forgot about some of the pressures that come from, from me sometimes as their teacher to, to, to do their very best work. And of course, I want that of them. And, and, and there's a level of it in school, that's a reality. Just like there's a level of it in, in, in our work as professionals, but for this day, it was about having fun. And I was able to tie it into content, and so it's a little bit of a win-win. Because the truth is, when we have fun, we engage more. You know, when, when, when we find that there's things to enjoy about the experience that makes us pay more attention. You know, there's research that shows that when students are engaged on this level, there's of course a correlation between that and their behavior. And, and, and behavioral disruptions and also their behavior and how they engage with the content. Because you know what, the day after the World War I trench battle, we get back to work in class. And of course there's elements of fun to it. I try to always have something that's fun happening every day, whether it's just playing music when kids walk in the door or me telling a funny joke to start class or if it's just joking with kids at different parts of the class period. I always want some of that. But there's also work happening, right? And sometimes that's not fun. And there wasn't the day after the World War I project. You know, we spent that day taking the letters they wrote in the trench and we, we proofread them. 
and we did some peer editing and we converted them into something that was a little bit more formatted for my English class. And that was actually part of their summative assessment to take this narrative that they wrote in this experience and then craft it into something that was some real high level writing, right? Do you see the connection here? But now all of a sudden when I ask students to proofread and revise and do this English class work, now they're able to draw back to that fun experience. The fun led them into deeper learning, into deeper work, and that's what it's really all about. And so, whether you are designing experiences for kids to drop 20 pound pumpkins from 60 feet in the air, or if you're, you're dressing up in class and leading your students through a really fun, goofy, silly, epic experience, or if you're just telling jokes with kids, or making up really fun high fives as they walk in the door, or you take them on a cool field trip that they get to look forward to, or you give them a writing experience, a writing assignment that maybe strays away from your content standards for a day, but maybe it's fun, it's, you use a writing prompt that gets them excited, or gets them laughing, or gets them creative, or thinking about their own life, Whatever it is, the more we can inject fun into learning, the more students can see that learning can sometimes be fun and sometimes be worth putting that phone away for and sometimes be worth picking your head up and maybe even raising your hand to engage with it and showing up for. And so whether uh, that is what you do every day or if it's something that happens every now and then, I would encourage you to think about how can I identify relevant and fun experiences for my students. Because what I've found, and I'll leave it at this, what I've found is that when my students are having fun, there's a good chance I'm having fun too. And I gotta be honest with you, I wanna have fun at work. So, thank you friends for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope that you will check out my other podcasts if you haven't listened to them, or subscribe to this one so you can find out whenever the next one drops. I try to drop one every single week. Uh, and if you wanna get in touch with me, feel free to go check out my website at trevormuir.com where I keep my blog and some really great videos and, uh, and I talk about some of the work that I do with teachers and schools, my keynotes and workshops. You can learn more about that there. So go check out my website or follow me on social media. And uh, I am excited to get to record the next episode so we can connect in this way and others very, very soon. This is the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir. Thank you for all of the good work you do to make learning epic.